So this morning's verse. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This single sentence from Hebrews 11 was our scripture, remember, this week that Larry read. It is also quite a complex statement that we're going to spend the next few moments of this morning's worship service unpacking. First of all, it reminds us of the biblical definition of the word faith and that, that it's different than how most people use the term. This verse literally gives us the definition of faith. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This morning, we spent time in prayer as a congregation. We lifted up to God our joys and our concerns, and this was an act of faith because we prayed with confidence that God will hear our prayers and with confidence that God cares and with confidence that God will respond. Likewise, our time of giving our tithes and offerings was an act of faith because we give with confidence that is an act of worship with confidence that it's an act of obedience and that God will use what was given for his good purposes. Our confidence is in the fact that God will respond and not necessarily that he will respond exactly how we want him to or when we want to, but our confidence is that he hears and he cares and he will do. Now, because God has made a promise to you as his child, you can have faith that prayer is important. Now, just because prayer changes things, like we like to say, and that's absolutely true, but also because your heavenly father wants to hear from you and not just when you want something or need something. He wants to have a conversation with you like any parent would. Because God has made a promise to you as his child, you can have faith that giving joyfully is important, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because God delights in your generosity and stewardship as you share a portion of what he has given to you. Now, this morning's message is going to focus on the second part of the definition revealed by the verse, and it read, assurance about what we do not see. And perhaps you're familiar with the expression blind faith. The phrase blind faith means different things to different people, but sadly, many people use it negatively. Like a disparaging term to describe anyone who believes in God has blind faith. You know, because they assume that there is no confidence and no sound reason. We just trust God and we believe in him just because, right? Blind faith is arguably synonymous with terms like false optimism, right? It'll be all right. It'll just be fine. Or or ignorance, right? I don't know. It'll just work out. A dictionary definition of blind faith is belief without true understanding or perception or discrimination. A belief without any understanding behind it or a belief without holding it up to know if it's even true. That definition doesn't seem so disparaging, but, but it's still false, right, when it comes to faith. As Christians who study God's word in Jesus' life, we do have an understanding of what we have faith in. And if we want a further understanding, as we all should, the resource to do so is widely available, right? Just read the book. Talk to the author. I want to introduce you to a little film clip. And um, I don't know if many of you guys are, are fans of Indiana Jones. But uh, he, uh, <laughs> he smiles. So when I talked about a leap of faith, I just found this one clip. If you would go ahead and start that, Heather.
Now, I don't know if you recall that scene or were able to see it clearly from, from where you were seated, but he's doing what Indiana Jones does, and he's solving the, the clues to get to the, the treasure or whatever it needs to be. And in this case, he come to this large gap, and he said, you know, take a leap of faith. And you saw him hesitate, and when he said, I, I have to do it, he closed his eyes, he put his hands over his chest, he stuck his foot out, and he just went down. And, and there was amazing camera work that, unfortunately, the screen doesn't quite capture on a, on a day like today. But, you know, there was something there that he couldn't see, but it, it caught his fall. He, he absolutely could walk across it because it was there. The scene demonstrated that this leap of faith was based on what was unseen, but as we saw, because it is unseen does not mean that it does not exist. This morning, we were reminded that faith isn't blind. There's no such thing as blind faith. It is just based on what isn't or cannot be literally seen with the eyes. Does air exist? How do you know? You need it to live, and we are all alive, so there must be some air in this room. But you can't see it. A little side note, if you can see the air you're breathing, don't breathe it. Put a mask on. If you can't see it, how do you know it's there? You, you need it to live, and you are alive, so it must be here. It must be present. When it moves, you can feel it, right? Whether it's wind or a fan or an open window on the car, you can feel the air rush by you. You still can't see it, but you know it's there. Did anybody see me running down the street yesterday? I was being chased by another one of those hornets. Turns out I also have yellow jackets in my yard by that little build, building that Sherry and I are working on. So that'll be the last time I mow that spot. But I digress. We aren't blind. And we aren't blindly believing in the presence of air. We, we can prove its existence. We just aren't able to see it with our eyes. So many things that require our faith can't be seen with our eyes, but they, our eyes, but they are sensed and they're experienced. Some physically and some are sensed and experienced on a far deeper level. Does that mean they don't exist? Well, certainly not. Perhaps when you saw that this morning's message is titled, Close Your Eyes and See, you thought of the passage from Psalm 34, 8, and it reads, Taste and see, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I love that verse. God is saying, try this. Try me. Prove it to yourself. Certainly there is an element of trust involved there. And I certainly hesitate for a moment when Sherry tries a new recipe, and she says, try this. Taste and see. Or worse yet, when she says, does this taste bad? Does this smell bad to you? Don't fall for that one. If there's any doubt, throw it out. That's our motto. That's not scriptural. That's just good advice from the pulpit. But taste and see. It's not literal. God is telling you to sense and experience that the Lord is good. And we know and believe that God is good all the time. Next week, we're going to talk about encountering and experiencing God. And I hope you'll join us. But faith in what is unseen has some life-changing impacts. First, we are rewarded by God for our faithfulness and obedience. And these are called blessings from Hebrews 11.6, which is part of the scripture this morning. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God rewards, he blesses. You know, having faith especially this kind of a faith that is more than what we see it, it thwarts the plans of Satan. Satan loves to go, huh, how do you know that's real? How do you know that's right? You can't see it. How do you, how do you even know he exists? Proverbs 29, 25 tells us, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Fear lays a snare. It's a trap. It tangles you up. Fear does. 
from Isaiah 12 to behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid for the Lord. God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. There's no greater threat to, to Satan than to trust into God and to know that you are already saved and that war has been won. Having faith, the kind of faith that it takes without seeing something, it empowers you. You know, because success breeds success, isn't it? When you have a little victory, you're like that much more encouraged and you have another one and another one and another one. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Right? You're being empowered. He says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on winds like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Because God gives you strength. He gives you power. And it protects you. Isaiah 26, 3, 4. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. When we stay our mind on him, he keeps us in perfect peace. Because he, we trust in him. Wow, talk about one of those blessings that you can't touch or see or maybe even describe. Perfect peace. Isaiah continues, says, Trust the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Again, we aren't having blind faith. We're not trusting in things that, that don't exist or are unstable or changing. God is an everlasting rock. In Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, it's written, Bless is the man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water and sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear. There it is again when heat comes. For its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. God's response to our faith is protection and provision. You know, and sometimes we overlook the basic provisions, the air in our lungs, that we have something to wear at all, that we have a place that's safe, even if it's not as nice or warm or cool or, or whatever we may think we want. God's provisions themselves are a blessing. Faith grows exponentially. Faith extended, like when we put it out there and God meets it, it results in knowledge, right? Oh, if I took the leap of faith and it worked out, I know that I can do this or God wants me to do this. And it's assurance. So it, it takes less to go a little further, you know? I've been through this before. God's asked me to do this and, and it worked out fine. I had faith. So now it takes a little more faith, right? Because these things are a little easier now because I've already learned that lesson. So therefore, faith is stretched and again, so again and again, so it may grow. And it grows not just in links, it grows exponentially. <laughs> And last, at least in my list, faith serves as an example. It's like a quiet ministry, right? People watch you and people see what you're doing. And, and this is from First Thessalonians 3, 7. This is from the Amplified Bible. So it throws a couple extra words in for clarification. It says, brethren, for this reason, in spite of all our stress and crushing difficulties, we have been filled with comfort and cheer about you because of your faith, the leaning of your whole personality on God in complete trust and confidence. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter and says, we're encouraged. We're filled with comfort. We're filled with cheer about you because of your faith. It sets an example for others. And the Bible shares so many examples of faith. Some stories include one found in Joshua 3 where the Israelites come to the Jordan River. Now, I won't read the whole, the whole story, but Joshua 3 has this. And, and it's instructions given to the Israelites. 
And it says, the ark is coming. You know, you'll see the ark coming and you want to follow it, but stay back. Okay? And it says, when you get to the Jordan River, one man from each tribe is going to accompany the ark into the river. And they're probably thinking they're going to drown. You know, I don't know how big the ark is. I remember it from the movie. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a river and you're going to, we're going to walk into this river. And he says, step in the water and wait. And what happens? It becomes dry land. And while the, the, the 12 men, the, the, the priests, they called them, were there, the Israelites passed safely. Now, God's famous for parting waters and doing a miraculous thing with water. It's amazing. But, but it took faith. It took faith to say, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go stand here holding this thing. It takes faith to go, I'm going to go walk and follow it. It takes faith to say, I'm in the middle of what used to be a river, and I'm going to just keep on walking. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to turn around. That's faith. It's faith. And they were delivered to their safety. And in Acts 9, we find the story of Paul's con- uh, conversion. Now, Paul was previously named Saul, and we'll reveal that again in a minute. But Paul, the apostle, who did so many wonderful letters that we study today. But uh, the example of faith can be found for both uh, Paul and for Ananias. And let me share a piece of the story. This is, again, from, from Acts 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breaching, uh, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Talk about convicting. Okay, now so you have to remember that Saul was, man, he was after the Christians. He was going to track them down. He was abusive. He was mean. He wanted to imprison them. So Saul, this happens. He says, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up to the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So he's saying, wait a second. You want me to go to this man who will likely arrest me, if not abuse me and hurt me and all this stuff? You know, and, and, and you're not the first person to ever question God. I'll just assure you, okay? But I'll go on, it says in verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is where it gets cool. This is the riot gone Revival. It says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And we know what Paul went on to do next. 
There's just a couple of examples from the Bible. And if we were to continue to read in Hebrews 11, following this week's scripture, remember, we'd find a lengthy list of God in his own words who shares examples. If we were to read Hebrews 11, it starts, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And in verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Verse 4, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Every verse, Enoch was example, Noah, Abraham, um, all the way down, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Moses, I mean, this chapter 11 goes on and on with examples. If God needs to tell you to believe him, he says, no, these are people who did something in faith and look what happened. So read this list, read this list. And the passage concludes with, with these words found in verses 39 and 40. It says, these were all commanded for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. We so badly want what we want. We so badly want what we think we need. But it says a lot of these people who acted in faith and were blessed didn't get exactly what they were hoping for. But God put it together for something better. Better things that we're benefiting from today. You see, God wants to add you to this list of people who obediently put their faith in a hope that is not seen. God wants to bless you for your trust in him, and he has promised that you will not be disappointed with the plans he has has for you as a result. When he takes action, you will be blessed. It just may not be the blessing you had in mind, but you will be blessed. Now, faith, it is so important, and it is so necessary. Faith teaches us, it protects us, it softens the hard times, and it helps us to recognize the good ones. Faith is not something to be stowed away. It is to be put into action so that it may grow and be used and be shared. But how would you describe your level of faith? If you aren't sure about your answer or you aren't happy with your answer, I want to hear from you. I want to remind you that there is an almost complete library of previous Sunday morning messages available for you anytime that, like 86 to be exact, and, and I'm going to plug this here in a second, but I want to say there are ways if you want to hear more about faith, open the Bible first and foremost, talk to God first and foremost. But last June, we did a three-part series called Far Flung Faith, and we kind of dove in to the separate pieces of faith. Just kind of touch a little bit more on them today. And, and I'll be happy to report that all of them are less than 20 minutes. So that's a good one, um, as Sherry would say. But, um, but just go in the, the Golden Beach podcast. You can Google it. You can find your player and find those. Find those far-flung faith and talks about it. But, but if you're not sure where you are or you're not happy where you are with your faith, let's talk. Talk to God first. But if, but if you feel like you need to have a, a conversation Call me, text me, email me. Let's set up here and let's talk. Talk to someone in this church. You are surrounded by like-minded people. We're all very different. We all want the same thing. That's why we're here this morning. And the encouragement you can get from someone has nothing to do with their degree or their discipline. It has more to do with their experience and their willingness to share their story. And I know everybody in this room would want nothing more than to help you.
So friends, never stop pursuing faith. Strive to stretch it, to grow it, mature it, and to share it. And I'd like to close with just a benediction. This is from our friend Paul, who was, who was saved on the road to Damascus. This is found in Romans 15, 13. And uh, actually, it's uh, also a, in the same you know, uh, chapter that's on the back that I use as a benediction every week. Romans 15, 13 is what I'd like to pray over you today. And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's make that our prayer, and let's pray. Father God, you call us to faith. You call us to grow in faith. You call us to trust you in faith, and you call us to share our faith. Lord, where our faith may be lacking, we lift up the risky prayer that says, Lord, teach us to have more faith. Lord, where we have opportunities to to share our story either out loud or through the quiet ministry of an example. We lift up the risky prayer that says, Lord, put us in positions to share our faith. God, wherever we're at in our, our, our spiritual journey, wherever we're at in, in our level of faith right now, Lord, I ask that you speak to each one of us individually and tell us, tell us how we can grow in our faith, how we can believe without seeing how we can we can lovingly trust and have full confidence that is different than blind optimism or blind faith or or ignorance god because what we feel the faith that we have is based on real true things things that we can we can feel and experience and sense and it's all about love God, as always, I want to conclude this service with just a word of thanks for this church and this congregation, for everybody gathered here this morning, for those listening online. Lord, be with those who are traveling or ill or away. Lord, continue to help us to be that lighthouse, that, that light on a stand, the lamp on a stand that shows your love to the surrounding community, everybody we meet. Help us to be keenly aware of opportunities to serve in your name and to glorify you. We give this entire service to you. May all we do please you, and may we be changed for having heard it. Amen.